Welcome to the Shanna Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. We are on episode 80, episode Jerry Rice. I am joined as always by Akash. Akash, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Well, so you, you brought up that it was the Jerry Rice episode and something funny is so growing up, you know, the, when I first started watching football, when I was like six, seven years old, Jerry Rice was a Raider at that point. So when I first started so watching, <laughs> when I first started watching, I always thought Jerry Rice was a Raider. And Ooh, so it wasn't until later when Niner fans claimed like this dude was dominating for us. And when, you know, you go watch YouTube and stuff, I was like, oh, shit, he played for the 49ers. So growing up, I always thought he was a Raider. But. Jerry Rice actually did not play for the uh, Seahawks and the Raiders only. Who knew? Well, <laughs> welcome to the Shannon Plan. That's how we do things here, baby. Uh, so today we're going to run down a couple offseason topics. We're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and PFS QB annual. We're going to talk about if he could possibly be better in a different situation. We're talking about a couple of free agents what positions the 49ers should not address in free agency, who needs to take the next step on the roster, and whether or not the 49ers have their offseason plan intact, done, and know who they want to pick. So let's kick it off with Jimmy G. Akash wrote an article on Jimmy G's most recent season. So PFF put on a QB annual, and they, they just kind of break down how quarterbacks did, how they did under pressure, and just uh, just a couple of different stats that matter. Akash, what was your takeaway from what you saw in Jimmy and that? The biggest takeaway is that 2021 Jimmy Garoppolo, very similar to 2019 Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, if you look at a lot of the advanced metrics, their attempts, past attempts between the two seasons, pretty much the same, 504, 515. Um, his on-target percentage, which is kind of similar to you know his accuracy, both 77, 78%. Um, his EPA per play, 0.12 in 2019, 0.13 in 2021, these numbers were just super similar across the board. And it makes sense. The 49ers had a very similar season. 2019 obviously made the Super Bowl last. 2021, um, you know, made the NFC Championship game last. So they got very similar play out of Garoppolo. Um, and the two seasons that he's remained, you know, largely healthy. And they've been pretty successful as a result of the team. So I thought that was one thing that was interesting. The second thing that really popped to me was a graph that showed, you know, the big time throw rate versus the turnover worthy plays. So big time throws, PFF grades, is like, you know, throws that are made in the tight windows with good ball placement and, you know, they grade better if they're further down the field. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I think ranked dead last in big time throws and turnover worthy plays as the name would suggest are plays that could result in a turnover, but maybe they were, you know, dropped or tipped or whatever. And he was near the bottom of the league in those as well. So he was kind of in his own world in terms of being, you know, prone to turnovers and not creating a lot of big time throws, which is kind of the worst combination. But of those two things really stood out. The other thing was kind of his heat map of where his targets are. And those were obviously in the majority of the middle of the field, kind of in that five to like 20 yard range over the middle of the field, which is kind of what we've seen from this offense. So I thought those three things were kind of interesting. And curious to see how that evolves with Trey Lance. Yeah, if you remember against the Rams, he took a three-step drop, threw a deep ball to Brandon Ayuk outside the numbers, and that was like one of those, wait, where has this been? All of, not just all season, but all of his career for the 49ers. I don't know if that was just because Kyle, well, I think it's evident that Kyle Shannon really didn't trust him to execute those type of plays, and that's why we didn't see them a lot. But the fact that, you know, when he did make those throws, I would say that it seemed like, Jimmy completed those more often than not. 
So the other day, and this is the type of sicko that I am, I watched the 49ers-Lions 2018 game uh, for no particular reason, but it was just there. And he was the same player in that game than he was as he was in 2019, 2020, 2021. So in that game, um, it was the game where DJ Reed had the long uh, kick return. It was a game where Matt Breida broke a long run. Uh, the 49ers scored a bunch of points, but it wasn't as if it was Jimmy the one doing uh, it wasn't because of Jimmy, I guess is the easiest way to say it. So he had a plays where, you know, he's holding on the ball too long, taking unnecessary sacks. He missed Dante Pettis on a third and 10, overshot him on a slant that could have been a big play and possibly a touchdown. It was the same things that we see over and over and over again. And then also he had an interception. If I don't know if you guys remember, that was a play where Condre Diggs was called for holding on the other side of the field for George Kittle against George Kittle, where Jimmy threw an out route to Matt Breida that was short and inside, which can't do that. And it was, it would have been a pick six. Um, but again, the play was called back. So it seems like no matter when you go back and I bring that game up just because a lot of people, you know, remember what they want to remember. And, you know, when you cite stats like these, like that interception doesn't count. And, you know, how many of those throughout his career did Jimmy have where he was able to get away with? But, yeah, it's – I guess that kind of leads us into our next question. And I asked our producer, Rob Guerrero, this before the before we kicked off. Is there a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo is better if he go in a different situation? And that this goes without saying that the situation has to be a good one. So, it, you know, whether it's the Steelers, whether it's – Denver, a team that has pieces around that they, where Jimmy can succeed. Do you see a scenario where Jimmy puts up better numbers next year than he did uh, with the 49ers this past season? That's hard to envision for a multitude of reasons. First, the coach in San Francisco, right? The coaching staff, really, between Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, just what they had this past season gave Jimmy Garoppolo, I thought, a great foundation to be successful. And the next thing would be the talent around him on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of people were criticizing the offensive line down the stretch of the season, especially Tom Compton on the right side. But overall, in a lot of the pass blocking metrics, they ranked in the top 10 for the majority of the season. So I think for the overwhelming part of the season, they were a really good offensive line. And then you look at his skill position, guys. I mean, George Kittle, Brandon Knight, Debo Samuel. Uh, then they had Elijah Mitchell really come into his own kind of as the season went on and you know, how many teams offer that type of a coach, that type of offensive line, that type of talent, and put you in positions to succeed? Not very many. You know, the one thing I would say maybe where his situation could improve is, you know, he's more secure in his position as the starter in terms of there's not a Trey Lance or someone else kind of waiting in the wings looking over his shoulder. So maybe he's kind of the starter over the next few years and he can he doesn't have the pressure of like, hey, there's a young guy. Look it over Just kind of lets it fly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So outside of that, I can't see the situation being better than it was in San Francisco. Yeah, and that's, again, that's tough just because he was in a very good situation. Like, think about it. The eyes that he plays with, Adebo, Kittle, and Ayuk, has Kyle Shannon calling plays, has Trent Williams protecting him. Um, but I, I guess just to play devil's advocate, I could see him opening up a little bit. I could see the just with what the offense does, wherever he goes, maybe they do have to push the ball because he's getting more opportunities to push the ball. Maybe he's able to connect on more throws and he, he does put up more volume stats. But um, we can put a bow on this Jimmy talk here. Wherever he goes next year, is Jimmy in the playoffs? Wherever he goes, well, that's tough to say. 
and and when I say that, we're we're going off the off the assumption that the 49ers are gonna are not gonna ship him to the freaking Texas. Sure. Like, for example. sure, 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 sure. I can see him making the playoffs if he goes to Washington or Pittsburgh. More Pittsburgh than Washington, I think. Um, Washington more so because the NFC is pretty weak at the bottom. And I think their team and coach is relatively good. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo could just elevate their floor. Pittsburgh more so because Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches in the league. They're just a proven program. They made the playoffs with Ben Roethlisberger. And I think Garoppolo would be an upgrade at this point in Ben's career. Denver would be a tough sell just because that division is brutal. And the AFC in general is just a tougher conference. So maybe not wherever he goes, but I think he could raise the ceiling of some of those teams or sorry, raise the floor of some of those teams to put them in a position to make the playoffs, assuming he stays healthy for 17 games, which is kind of the big question mark around it. All right, so we are going to assume that Jimmy Garoppolo, whether he's released, whether he's traded, he's not going to be on the 49ers next season. With that comes $25 million to play with. So 49ers are going to have that money, more than likely, to dish out to a priority, primary, a high-level, top-notch, free agent this next month here we don't know what position that's going to be we don't even know if they will they could sit on the money extend their guys but i, I feel like now's the time now that trey lance is on a rookie contract um you have to take advantage of that now's the time we go out and get players who are established players who can help you right away you, the, your super bowl window quote unquote super bowl window is now no matter what you think of trey lance it's about the entire roster and we're comparing the 49ers roster to the rest of the nfl you're probably not going to fi- find five better rosters than san francisco so we are going to do a little either or here so the packers are more than likely going to part ways with one of their edge rushers zadarius smith who was just he was a baller this past season. He was he played very well for Green Bay. The other is Stephon Gilmore, who was traded. He did not play for the first six games because he was on the pup list. Then he got moved. Didn't like the way New England handled his injury. Uh, if you recall, Gilmore was coming back from a torn quad that he pulled, I believe, late last season and then just never really got back on the field. When he did play with Carolina, he was outstanding. Like He looked like the same all-pro um, defensive player of the year type of player. So either or, Zadarius Smith for the 49ers, who they're going to have some guys walking out the door. They're not going to have, you know, whether – who knows whether they have Arden Key back. Uh, who knows whether they keep Samson Ebicom. They could uh, – we talked about last week. If you release Ebicom, you can use that money, um, freed up, and maybe they look to upgrade. Who knows? But there's going to be money, enough money either way. So uh, I will give it to you, Zadarius Smith or Stephon Gibbs. Sorry, I was I was pulling up the Darius Smith contract as you were speaking in the background just to try to see what his cap number is with the pack. Do you have any idea what it is? Give a guess. Um, it's probably like sixteen. It's yeah, I know it's up. It's got to be up there. Oh, what what, what do we got? <laughs> it's twenty seven point six million dollars. That's his cap hit, and <laughs> yeah, so they re- restructured his deal, and so actually they don't even get. You know, it's not a clean deal. If they were to cut him before June 1st, they'd still eat like $10 million in the dead cap, but they'd save like $16, $17 million. So kind of, I think it works out in their favor. It's He's like their D4 effectively. Um, <laughs> but he only played two games this past season. He appeared in week one opener, and then he played in the divisional round game against the 49ers um, coming off of that injury. So he's coming off of a major injury as well. Um, but he was highly productive in his two years prior to that. And, you know, he's 30 years old, coming off an injury. I imagine 
just given the contract he had with the Packers. He's looking probably for a one-year kind of prove-it deal, something where he can try to get paid. And what better system to get paid in than with Chris Cassera in this wide nine as a pass rusher. They're going to put you in a position to succeed, and you go out there and try to do it. They did it with Kerry Hyder two years ago. Arden Key came came over, likely going to get paid again this offseason. Don't know if that's with the 49ers. So if you're an edge rusher, you should be salivating to try to come and join this team because they continually get guys paid. Um, so that's Darius Smith. Stephon Gilmore on the other side. Slightly older, also coming off an injury. Had a better season with the Panthers. I think he played eight games. I think he only gave up seven catches for like 60-ish yards this season. Um, and so he looked good for the Panthers. He's one of their bright spots. Um, if I were to prioritize one of the two, I would probably go Stephon Gilmore just because the 49ers could use a veteran corner. We talked about this last week. Emmanuel Mosley been banged up, even though we really like him as a player. So can he stay healthy for a full, you know, 17 games? Do you really trust Amory Thomas, Dante Johnson, and D'Amador Lenore on the other side? I, I think they need to insulate themselves with a veteran corner. Um, someone that's, you know, not crazy expensive, not a J.C. Jackson, not that type of player, but someone like a Stephon Gilmore on the cheap who's looking to win, I think could be a potential move. And I, I would go that route instead of the Darius Smith route because I think the 49ers can find edge rushers in the bargain bin elsewhere. Versus finding like a reliable corner. Yeah, I mean, Arden Key is a great example just because he was brought in on a one-year deal for basically the veteran minimum. And look at the production they were able to get out of him. Samson Ebicom, who hadn't played edge rusher full time at all, and they were able to get production out of him down the stretch. So I think just with how the 49ers are set up, with the pieces that they have on the defensive line, you don't – I mean, they already have Eric Armstead, who is a star. They have Nick Bosa. And then just building off of those two – I mean, you're you're gonna you're going to get one on ones outside, but I I touched on Stephon Gilmore on Tuesday on the site on NinersNation.com. So he and I don't think people understand this. Like he was lights out uh, this past season, and you think about where the 49ers struggled. It was when it was on third downs against DeAndre Hopkins, against Cooper Cup. They didn't have a guy who could really match up with those guys, and even Odell Beckham. And as much as I love Emmanuel Mosley, like. When it was one-on-one -on -one and they needed a stop, like he wasn't able to get those stops consistently, is what I would say. Stephon Gilmore is going to be able to get those stops. And while you know 2019 might feel like a long time ago when, when Gilmore was the defensive player of the year, I think he would have just as big as an impact in the locker room, like off the field, with guys like Ambry Thomas, with guys like Deion Bolano. He could show them the ropes, show them what it takes, show them how to work as a cornerback. And again, going on the field, D'Amico Ryans, he asks his guys to tackle a lot. I don't think people understand how how much of a chore that is for a cornerback. So Gilmore finished last season with five tackles for loss. He did not miss a tackle either, and that is important. So some of his coverage numbers are just as, if not more impressive. I believe he allowed – so he, he allowed a 43% completion rate, and he allowed a stingy 4.1 yards per target. And only A.J. Terrell had better numbers than that in the NFL. So, again, he's a guy – who is still like an elite player, what he's going to cost is a whole other question. You talked about coming in like on a cheaper deal. He did like last season, I, I believe he wanted somewhere north of 15 million. And Spot uh, uh, their evaluation of Gilmore was two years for 28.3 million. So um, I can imagine if the, if the 49ers want to get a deal done for Gilmore, they can get a deal done. I think it's that simple. And it might not be for Gilmore, but if I there's going to be a cornerback, 
it would be tough to turn down a guy like Gilmore. I could see a Richard Sherman-like deal in 2018. Something that's more incentive-laden. Right. I know he was coming off the injury, so it was a little different. Gilmore's maybe looking to get more paid at this point in his career. Um, but I could see something like that. And I think you know a lot of fans think that the 49ers don't prioritize corner just because they don't draft them early in the draft. But in that season, they went out and they signed Richard Sherman as a priority to at least lock down one of the spots, and he was an all-pro in 2019. And I'd imagine – with the failure they had with Josh Norman and Drake Kirkpatrick and just the rotation of that spot season, they look to address it uh, and make it a priority. And, you know, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler kind of kicked this around. He said um, the 49ers would poke around uh, Stephon Gilmore. Um, so that's kind of where all this discussion started. So I, I can see that as a possibility just based on the case you outlined as well. All right. So we, and we're going to do that. As, as we get closer and closer to free agency every week, just talk about either or just get familiar with, you know, and it's not always going to be, you know, bigger marquee names either. So speaking of how much of a home run, how much of a out of left field would signing a guy like Jarvis Landry be? Because, and the reason we bring that up is because the 49ers, I mean, they have Debo, they have IU, they have Kill, So they're, they're probably set at wide receiver, but there's no like, you're never going to complain about adding more weapons around a rookie quarterback or, you know, a first year starter in Trey Lance. I don't think there's a better fit for Jarvis Landry anywhere than the 49ers. They, they run the exact same offense in Cleveland. He, I mean, the same catches that he would be, you know, the same reception, the same routes, he'd be doing all the same thing with the same things with Shanahan. And again, the, the off the field things where we're, we're you know, the stories that came out last year about Brandon, you know, blocking or working hard, that's not going to be an issue at all with with Jarvis Landry in the wide receiver room. Like he is going to get the absolute best out of guys like Debo, um, guys like Ayuk and, and probably Juwan Jennings either. So you, some some fans initial reaction would be based on what we saw from Jennings down the stretch that they would like to roll with him because he's a cheaper option on the rookie contract. But Juwan Jennings wouldn't stop me from signing Jarvis Landry and what type of contract he would command would be, a, again, you would probably have to pinch some pennies, you know, convince him that, hey, um, or as you said, with Stefan Gilmore, it could be an incentive-led deal where he has to stay healthy, he has to hit a certain amount of yards, touchdowns or whatever, but Landry would be fun. And just the idea of him in this offense would give, you know, Trey Lance everywhere. Like there's nowhere you couldn't feel, uh, couldn't throw the ball to uh, with Landry in the building. I texted you yesterday or I texted both of you guys yesterday that, hey, maybe Jarvis Landry gets cut. What do you guys think? And both of you guys were super excited about this possibility. So clearly there's um, some potential for Landry in this offense in terms of what he could bring. So he's due $16.4 million with the Browns this season. They could release him and save about $15 million of that. So he's a potential candidate that they could release. Their team's kind of in flux right now. They're trying to figure out what to do with the quarterback position, et cetera. Um, and Jarvis Landry, obviously tight with Odell Beckham Jr. I'm sure he's heard just how nice it probably is to be in, you know, on the West Coast, on a team that's been consistently winning. Obviously, he's with the Rams. And so can he convince Jarvis Landry to come out West and maybe join, you know, a different team? We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I think Landry would be uh, an awesome slot receiver in this offense. And just what he brings as a veteran in this room, somehow they've – the 49ers have always managed to have a veteran, whether it's Emmanuel Sanders, Marlon Sanu, just someone that could be kind of a big brother presence. And maybe that's Debo Samuel moving forward this season for Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings. But 
having a guy like Jarvis Landry isn't going to hurt. I do think he ends up staying in Cleveland. I think they maybe they rework his deal or, you know, maybe he ends up taking a pick out, whatever. I don't think he ends up leaving just because he's such a valuable part of that offense and their wide receiver room isn't very deep beyond that. So I can see something like that. But if he hits the open market, I can see Kyle Shanahan uh, being all over that. And, you know, not a hot take to say that a seventh-round pick should stop you from uh, signing Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Landry, just from blocking, from what he does after the catch, from getting open and catching the ball, and just like his his on-field presence would go a long way for the 49ers and what they would what they would like. And um, okay, let's talk about and obviously a lot of people would not want to spend assets or spend, you know, valuable cap money on a wide receiver given the talent that's already in the building. So what's the position the 49ers shouldn't address in free agency? Because I keep coming across guards that I mean, there you don't have to be, you know a Brandon Scherf to come into the 49ers and succeed. There are a ton of guards that are available on the lower level tier where you could even let a Lakin Thompson walk and sign a guy like James Daniels, who's 25, who's former, you know, again, he's a former first round pick, didn't really pan out in his first rookie contract, but the upside is still there. I would go for a guy like that. But again, we've seen how the 49ers have been able to skate by on offense with guys like Tom Compton and Daniel Brunskill and why you would want to upgrade them for upgrade at those positions being cheap there allows you to spend elsewhere. So I, I lean guard, but at the same time, I, I want the team to get more athletic and I want them to, you know, I guess just have guys with higher ceilings at that position. So my answer is guard with a caveat, but what, what do you got? What are you thinking? position they shouldn't address in free agency is linebacker. And that may be kind of a layup answer, but I just think they're loaded at that position. And I think actually they should unload some of the players via trade um, just to free up some space. Um, And, you know, obviously they got Fred Warner, second highest paid linebacker in the league, highest paid linebacker before Darius Leonard last season. Um, And so I would, I would not touch that position. Yeah. Linebacker guard and all all this said it's going to come back to like center cornerback just the main positions that we the usual usual suspects you know wherever they've been consistently addressing in free agency it'll come back to that i'm pretty fascinated to see you know how many resources they do put out in free agency and you know how aggressive they are if they kind of sit on their hands and it's tough to build through the draft when you don't have a first round pick but we'll see what they what they're able to get with Jimmy and if they package some of those picks and move up because it's supposed to be a weaker draft so uh, a lot a lot to get to as far as the draft goes okay who on the roster needs to take the next step so we just talked about Juwan Jennings Um, is he a guy that needs to step up is it Ambry Thomas can he show the coaching staff that you know you invested in me give me an opportunity give me another chance to prove that I am worthy of a starter we talked about you know whether it was the the guys on the defensive line, whether it's Arden Key not coming back or potentially Samson Ebcon, is that because the team is high on younger players like Charles and Minahue, who, you know, very good athlete, finished the season strong. So who who's your one player that needs to step up, take the next step moving forward? Two guys, two guys I think that are just kind of tied at the hip because of where they were drafted, the position they play, but it's Ambry Thomas and Diamador Lenore. Um 49ers desperately need any type of help a corner opposite of Emmanuel Mosley, um, whether that's K1 Williams, whether that's one of the outside corner spots. And they, and they drafted those guys in those positions to be able to contribute. 
and Ambry Thomas contributed more as the season went on. Diamador Lenore got benched early in the season, and we never really saw him. Those guys really need to step up this this offseason. If they can get something out of that position, then they could use some of those resources to boosting other positions, right? Because ultimately, it's a roster-building puzzle. They spent some draft resources at, at corner, and if you get nothing out of that, then it's a wasted resource. So I, I think it's those two guys that really need to step up. With some of these later round picks, I think the hope is with Lenore and Thomas, for example, if one of those guys pans out with uh, Jalen Moore and with Aaron Banks, if one of those guys pans out. So I'll go with Banks and uh, Moore. And I just think Moore is such a good athlete. And I know he was rough around the edges. He made some mistakes last year, but finding a way to work him into the rotation. And remember before the injuries that they suffered at tackle, Kyle Shannon was talking about how they wanted to play him at guard. So he never really got that opportunity. Maybe he's going to be the eventual successor to Lakin Thompson at left guard, or maybe they feel like he's comfortable at right guard, but I think it's Jalen Moore. Um, I don't know what to expect from Aaron Banks. I know, you know, he, he just didn't start the way that he wanted to start his career and having not stepped onto the field, having a, Jalen Moore, a fifth round pick or get on the field before a second round pick is pretty telling. But I think it's Jalen Moore. I think he's going to have an opportunity to get on the field and you know whether or not that eventually pans out. We shall see. But I, I like the proposition. I like the athletic profile. And yeah, we'll see if it works out, man. They, they have young talent on the field. They have young talent on the roster, I should say. And because of that, they're in a position to you know take some swings on some veterans and let the younger guys develop. And uh, train, that's what training camp's for. You want to get youth. You want to get some guys who have been there, done that, and just may the best man win. All right, before we get out of here, do you feel like the 49ers offseason plan is done? Like, do they have their bulletin set up? They have their big board set up as far as, all right, we're looking at this this position in the draft. We want to attack this in free agency. Maybe it is an edge rusher. Maybe this is a center. Uh, maybe we're going to sit on our hands, as I said earlier. So uh, do you think their offseason plan is complete? And if so, what do you think their number one priority is? I don't think their offseason plan is complete. In fact, I think their offseason plan is really just starting to come into its own. And I think that really ha- starts to happen at the NFL Combine, where you start to get a gauge of you know what guys are worth, what your own guys are worth, what free agents are worth, what your guys can get on the trade market, et cetera, et cetera. And then you can start to put together a plan between Combine and free agency of how to tax her. Um, I think the first order of business, obviously, is the Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Um, not more so, you know, what team is he going to go, et cetera. It's just what is the trade compensation? Is it a, you're getting, you know, it's straightforward. You're getting a pickback. Is it conditional? You know, what happens with the salary, et cetera, et cetera. And then you go about addressing your own team's free agents, right? Can you can you bring back Lakin Tomlinson? Can you bring back DJ Jones, Arden Key? Um some of the running backs, et cetera, right? Can you, can you re-sign some of your own guys first, first and foremost? Um, and then you start to look at outside free agents. And I'm sure they've got a list, right? They've got a pro personnel department, a pro scouting department that spends all year on this stuff. And so I'm, I'm sure they've got a wish list of, okay, can we hit these players? And they'll go to the combine, try to get a gauge of, okay, how much will these players get on the open market? And they'll try to, you know, put their roster together based off of that. Um, so I think it's always a work in progress. I don't think it's ever complete. Like, okay, we're just going to go one, two, three, if it's not one and then it's two, I think you got to pivot quickly. Um, depending on the circumstance, depending on what happens, depending on, you know, certain deals. I think this happened last off season, right? A lot of their guys didn't get as much money as they expected on the open market. And they said, okay, we'll take him back. We'll take back Jason. 
that. We'll take back Kwaski Tark. We'll take back Kwan Williams. And so I think it's constantly changing. I don't think it's done. Uh, but I would say the number one priority is is obvious. It's trading Jimmy Garoppolo and turning the keys over to Trey Lance. I wonder or Tom Brady. I wonder <laughs> Yeah. Or Aaron Rodgers. Um I wonder if so with the salary cap, not in the same situation as it was last year, so it'll be higher. If some of those guys you just mentioned, you know, receive more lucrative offers on the market, whether that's DJ Jones, because for a nose tackle at his age and he did stay healthy, it would be tough for anybody at that position to play better. And Tart, he's not a guy that's going to give you, you know, the playmaking ability that a lot of people crave at safety, but he he does everything else at about as well as you can for a safety. So I wonder if maybe he's valuable to another team who's just looking for a veteran to maybe bring along their young safeties. Uh, that'll be, that'll be what I'm interested to see is what the market, what the market value is for their unrestricted free agents. And you know, how, how many guys are able to retain, but also how many guys there they can't retain simply because um, the market dictates that. So that that's what I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, is there, we, I mean, we've talked about this time and time again, but maybe your answer has changed. Is there a guy that, you think that they should go out of their way to retain? I don't think there's anyone on this team that they should go out of their way to retain. Obviously, the names we keep talking about, Lakin Tomlinson, but you bring up a good point. A left guard, because they just rolled Jalen Moore. They've talked about Jalen Moore as a guard now for multiple years. They've obviously got Aaron Banks, who they could potentially potentially slot in there. I know Trent Williams has spoken highly of Lakin Tomlinson. Do you really want to go pay a guard excess of $10, $11 million a year? Even though he's been durable, he's been healthy, he's been a productive player, not sure. DJ Jones, same thing, right? Extremely productive player, but you have Javon Kinlaw. Could you, you know, if he's healthy, do you think, do you believe that he's getting a slot in there and potentially give you the same production? Arden Key, you know, I, I think they continue to find replacement level players for some of these free agents. So I don't think there's one guy specifically that I'm like, they have to keep, they cannot lose this guy. You know, last offseason, it was Trent Williams. It was Kyle Houston. It was guys that like, you cannot lose. This this offseason, you feel a little differently. You you agree with that, or is there some guy you're like, I gotta have? No, I think um I think I'm on board with you. I I would go a step further and say it's time for the reset button, man. I think that they've tried this multiple years now, and they got close, and it didn't work. And that there's nothing wrong with that. But to say that you have to bring back K1 Williams, that that's not accurate because. The way that the league is going now, the way that D'Amico Ryans plays defense, they need guys who can cover in man coverage. And that's not K1 Williams. And whether it's we go back to Lakin Tomlinson, like he, again, like he was essentially a pro bowler. He, he played at close to a pro bowl level. But, you know, money talks and the way that they've invested in at other positions left guard. I feel like they can get by with, you know, letting a Jalen Moore shoot. They've gotten by with, if they've gotten by with Daniel Brunskill and Tom Compton for this long, they should be able to get by with. Um, a Jalen Moore or an Aaron Banks, yeah, Trent Williams is what matters. I'm like, Trent Williams makes this offense go. He's a big reason why they're able to do the things that they're able to do and why they're so successful, you know, throwing and throwing and running the ball. And I would say, if anything, invest in a center because that's the guy who's going to make all the checks. You know, if you have to move on from Alex Mack, so be it. But I would, I would look to upgrade there and continue to roll with the younger guys because that veteran that you are able to bring in, is able to, you know, help the young guys on both his sides, whether that's Banks, whether that's Brunskill, whether that's um, Moore. So, yeah, I would I would take it a step further and say reset it all, man. Don't don't bring any of them back. And, and that feels extreme. But I, I just feel like they're in a good situation to 
continue to hand out these one-year deals and there's going to be roster turnover no matter where no matter what team you're on so uh, the core is back the core is intact and that's what really matters so uh, keep the core intact keep building around those guys and bring some new blood in and, and try to uh Try to get over that hump, man. Try to get over that hill, which, which they haven't done yet. They've come close. And I think it does speak volumes to Shanahan that he's been able to get so close so early. So by keeping continuing to fine-tune those, you know, some of those players, uh, change it up a little bit, and I think they'll be fine. I think they're going to they're gonna figure it out. I 100% agree. And I, I've been watching the man in the arena just because the NFL season's over and you're just looking for some content. And uh, <laughs> unlike you, not watching, you know, 2018 Detroit, but – <laughs> um, so, you know, you watch that and you watch the progression of the Patriots, you know, they kept their core, right? You know, Tom Brady, you know, uh, Mike Vrabel, Teddy Bruschi, you know, all those guys. And then they just rotated pieces around them. And the 49ers obviously aren't, you know, they haven't won at that caliber, but their core is intact, right? George Kittle, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, et cetera. And now you just got to rotate some of these other guys around them uh, to find the right, you know, pieces and to fit the puzzle to ultimately win it all. And, I think fans ultimately get too attached to like every single player on the roster. And it's just in this business, it's hard to keep everyone. And I would just err on, you know, the side that you said, which is let's hit the reset button. Let's find some other guys um, to keep this roster, you know, just moving along younger, fresher, healthier. And I think that's this off season. Yep. And I agree a hundred percent. So um, that'll do it for us today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please, wherever it is you get your podcasts, rate, subscribe, review, leave us five stars. Akash, are you working on anything? Where can we find you on social media? At A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. You're working on a few things. Um, it's the slower time in the offseason. Hopefully, over the next few weeks, we'll start to turn page to free agency, and maybe we'll go position group by position group and start to look at some of the available names. You know, maybe one one person that the 49ers might reach for, maybe a bargain, et cetera, at every position. Um, just as we start to get into free agency, we're about three weeks out. Um but yeah, and you know, a couple other things. Shout out to Aldrick Robinson and Mike Person for landing coaching jobs with the Dolphins. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, they're coaching assistants on Mike McDaniel's staff. Nice. The Dolphins announced their staff, I think, over the weekend or on Friday or something like that. So shout out to those guys, 49ers, um, legends, as people like to say. And I'm sure McDaniel's bringing them along to kind of set the tone, set the culture um, in Miami. And what better way to do that than familiar faces? And then Leonard Hankerson looks like he's taking the wide receiver coach job, or at least he's been offered the position. And we've talked about him. So hopefully we get more news on the coaching staff as well. Yeah, we talk, we've been talking about that for a couple weeks now. I imagine we'll hear more as we get closer to the combine that way. You know, that's when the meetings and all the, the plans moving forward for the offseason go. So, all right, that, that will do it for us. We are going to get out of here. Enjoy your day, everybody. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Man.